many guys are ready to receive from the Lord this morning? Amen. Not from me, but from the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name right now, I just ask, Lord, that you move me to the side. But, Lord, that you would just begin to move through me, that you would speak through me, Father. Lord, that I not preach from my own mind or my own opinion. Lord, but your word will, be, will go forth. Lord, that you open my mouth that I may speak boldly. And you open the ears of your people so they will hear what you are saying directly to them. in Jesus' name. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 3. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty or subtle or skilled in deceit than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent, Satan, said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said, you shall not eat from the fruit of the garden. Isn't that just like the enemy? I'm going to stop here just for a second. Isn't that just like the enemy to say, did God really tell you that you shouldn't be doing this? Did God really say in his word that you shouldn't be doing this? But let me just tell you this, that sometimes the, the Bible doesn't give you a black and white, but if you know the heart of the Father, then you know what you ought to be doing, what you ought not to be doing. Amen? So sometimes there's things in there that, that, uh, that you know, did God really say that maybe we shouldn't live together before we get married? Did he really say that? But if we know the heart of the Father, then he knows what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing, and we follow him. And there are things that he will tell us as a father that may not be in his word in black and white, but he'll speak to you, and his word will confirm it. Amen? So, can it really be that God said you should not eat from the fruit of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden except the fruit from which the tree in the middle of the garden. God said, you shall not eat from it, nor touch it, otherwise you would die. But the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die, for God knows that the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, that is, you will have greater awareness, and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delightful to look at, and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise and insightful. She took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband with her and ate, and he ate. Then the eyes of the two of them were open. That is, their awareness increased, and they knew that they were naked. And they fastened fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the afternoon breeze of the day. So the man and his wife hid and kept themselves hidden from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten? the fruit from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, and the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, 
She gave me the fruit, and I ate. Isn't that just like people? I was going to say just like men to blame our wives, but isn't it just like people that we want to put the blame on somebody else? Lord, you give me this pastor. You give me this worship pastor. You give me the, You give me. You give me these children, and and you give me. The, you know, sometimes we want to put, place blame on everybody else and not take, not take responsibility for our own actions. We need to to grow up as children of God and take those responsibility for our own actions and say, yes, God, I'm guilty. I am guilty, Lord. Not the woman that you give to me, not the kids you give to me, not something you give to me, God, but I am the one responsible. <laughs> and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and deceived me, and I ate from the forbidden tree. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, more than all animals in the field. On your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Let's skip over to verse number 24. So God drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he permanently stationed a cherubim and a sword and a flashing blade, which turned round and round in every direction to protect the guard, protect and guard the entrance to the tree of life. So what we just read basically was the fall of man, right? We read how, I'm going to come down here, is that all right? I'm going to get out of the light for a moment. Yeah. We basically just read how, how God created man, he created us, and he placed us inside the garden to have communion with him. So we could have a relationship with him. That's the whole entire reason God created us is so he could have a relationship with us. And what really strikes me is in the cool of the day, Adam and Eve walked with God. It doesn't say that they just, they communed with him, they talked with him, but they walked with him. He was present with them because there was no sin there. It was, it was the Garden of Eden. There was no, there, were, there was no sin yet. There wasn't, there was perfect communication and perfect relationship with God the Father. And that's what he wants from us. He just wants to be in a relationship with us. That's why he created man to begin with. But then the enemy, Satan, has come in and slithered his way in and deceived Adam and Eve, and they sinned. Now, how did they sin? They sinned by being disobedient. They just wasn't obedient to God. They didn't go murder somebody or, or, or lie or cheat or steal or all the Ten Commandments that we look at. They were disobedient to God. So when we're disobedient, God calls that sin. And because of that sin, he drove them out of the garden. Because of what, you know, where God is, where God's presence is, no sin can be present. You know, God's presence and sin's presence cannot intermingle. So if you are living in sin, then, then you really can't feel the presence of God like maybe your neighbor would say, oh, what a great service. And then, and then we're like, I didn't feel anything, you know, that, does that mean that you're living in sin? No, it doesn't, but, but normally if someone is living in sin, and they're just, they're, they're living that sinful lifestyle, and they're, and they're not giving over to the Lord, and allowing him to, to, to move in, in their life, then you can come into a service like this, or go to Hurricane, or go to any other service, and the Spirit of the Lord be moving, and you just don't feel anything, why is that? Because the sin in your life is blocking what the Lord wants to do, so God drove man out out from the garden. And then we notice that Adam and Eve had a baby. His name was Cain. And then they had another baby, and his name was Abel. Y'all know the story of Cain and Abel. What really struck me about this was 
Cain was not born in the garden. He was the first man, the first human to ever be born, ever. Because, see, God created Adam, right? And then he created Eve out of Adam's rib. So he was the very first person to ever be born, and he was outside the garden. What's that mean? It means that he was born into sin. He wasn't born in the presence of God where God walked with them daily in the cool of the day. He was born outside of the garden, born into sin. And because he was born into sin, he had a, a, a corruptible, a, a, a sinful, fleshly self. And because they had just been driven out, there was no redemption for that sinly, sinful flesh. He was just sinful. He couldn't do anything about it. But... Well, before I butt, before I, before I go that direction, let's go this direction. Not long after, we don't know how long after, but after they were born, and after they began to grow, then the Bible says that they prayed, and they were giving uh, um, sacrifices to the Lord, right? And so Cain got mad at Abel, and he murdered him. So the very first person to ever to be born on this earth was a murderer. That just kind of blew my mind when I thought that. Like, wow, from the very beginning, from the very beginning of our birth, we've been messed up. We've been messed up people. And you say, what are you talking about that for? I have just a really, really, really simple message for you this morning. Is that we all need Jesus Christ in our lives. Not because you've been such a bad person. Not because you have done this or you have done that. It's because that we've all been born into sin. And we've been born into a place to where we don't have any fellowship with our creator. Because that's the whole entire reason he made us. Was have fellowship and have relationship with us. And because we're born into that sin and we don't have that relationship. See, i put this two together here for you. Heaven was created and hell was created. Hell was not created for you or for me. Hell was created for Satan and his fallen angels. All right? So, and I'm doing a little bit of teaching this morning. I'm not, I'm not Richard. I'm not going to yell and scream and, and preach. I'm going to teach this for a moment. Hell was created for, not for us, but for demons and Satan. Okay? So, because of the separation between God and man... Because we cannot be in his presence. We cannot be in right standing with him or relationship with him with sin in our lives. Because we're born into that sin and we have to come back into relation with him. That's where Jesus comes in. All right, now if you don't, if you never allow Christ to come into your life, then it's not that God's going to send you to hell because he hates you. Or God's not going to send somebody to hell because they've been bad. The reason is you've never come into that place to where you've allowed the communication, the communion, the fellowship, the relationship with God, the Father, that he desires for you. So it's not, God's not going to send anybody to hell. It's us that is, that is rejecting what God has done, what Christ has done on the cross. So it's nothing about us being bad people. It's nothing about what God says that, you know, you're bad and we'll send you to hell. It's, it's not that. See, hell is not created for you. And he doesn't want you to go there. But what he desires is that you come back in relationship with him. Because see, once this body dies, then our spirit's got to go somewhere. And hell is just the place where God is not. He's not going to be there. 
He said that if you, if you actually look at the definition of death, it's separation from God. So when this body dies and we don't know the Lord, we have not come back in relationship with him. And when this body dies, we're separated eternally from God. All right, I kind of got ahead of myself a little bit. That's all right. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 41. You know, something else that I, that I noticed in, in all of this is throughout the entire Old Testament, you can look where, where the Spirit of the Lord came upon someone. The Spirit of the Lord came upon, came upon. You, all, you keep reading, come upon, come upon. Not until Jesus was in Elizabeth, was, was, Jesus was in Mary's womb that Elizabeth was filled in the Holy Spirit. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, her baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him. See, after Jesus came and finished his work on the cross, that way was made back in relationship with the Father, but even close relationship. Now we accept Christ, his Spirit dwells inside of us, and we're born again. We cannot enter the kingdom of God without that. So no one will continue to live in sin. Let's skip down to John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. Now, can I tell you guys a, a story? Story time. So everybody, if you would just close your eyes for just a moment, and we're going we're gonna to step back into the Lord of the Rings setting. Can you think of Lord of the Rings and the knights? Yeah, that's Lord of the Rings music playing too. If you can think of the, the knights, think of their armor, their sword, their honor, the kingdom, the woods, all the little people, little elvish people. Are you there? Are, are you with me now? All right. Follow me in the story. Once upon a time, there was this king. You can open your eyes if you want to, but just follow me. Once upon a time, there was this king, and he was a really good king. And he had three mighty men along his side. The first name, his name was Demetrius. He was the strongest man in the entire land. I mean, he was like, he was bigger than Bill over here, man. I mean, he, could, he was strong, man. He was mighty. He would just go into, go into the army, the enemy's camp, and wipe them out just on his own. He was that strong. The second guy's name was Leon. Now, Leon was the fastest guy around. Man, he could sprint, man. He, he could run like the 100-yard dash in like a couple seconds. Man, he was, he was super fast. So fast, he would pick up his sword, and he would run into the enemy's camp. And he was so quick and so fast that they didn't know he was there. And he would just take out the entire enemy camp by himself just because of his speed. And the third guy's name was Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was the wisest man in the entire land. I mean, he was so wise, he would just devise plans of attack, and the enemy would just be confused, and they would just wipe out each other, and there would be no fighting on Cornelius' behalf because he just, he didn't need to fight. He was that wise and that smart. But there were, they all three had a problem. They were in love with the king's daughter, and they all wanted to marry the king's daughter. So they go to the king's daughter, 
and they, they can't all ask her for her hand in marriage. So like, would you just, would you decide? She's like, I can't decide because I care for all three of you. So she gives it up to the king and says, king, would you decide? And the king says, yes. What we're going to do is we're going to have a race. And immediately, Leon jumps up, yes, I'm going to win this because I got it. I'm the fastest in the land. Nobody can beat me. And, and uh, uh, Demetrius, he's like, oh, come on, king. And, and Cornelius is like, come on, man. Sound like pastor. Come on. You know? So, so like, and he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't finish. I want you to race through the dark forest. And everybody gasped because they're like, oh my goodness, the dark forest. Nobody goes into the dark forest. Nobody ever goes in the dark forest. See, years ago, there was these little, there was these settlers. There were these settlers people who, and they tried to come through as a shortcut and they never made it through. Nobody knows whatever happened to them. But they just know that we're not going that direction. So Demetrius looks up at him and says, what? He's shaking. He's, he's big. I mean, he's, he just got done bench pressing men, you know, just huge guy. And he's shaking. He's like, I don't want to go through the dark forest. Can we, king, can we take a companion? And the king says, yes, you can. T-. Now think about this. Big, big guy, mustard guy. Can we, can we take a companion, king? Yes, you can, but choose your companion wisely. So all three men, they go throughout the city, they go throughout the town, the village, and they choose their companions, they choose people together. And in the evening, the six riders, they all ride together as the, as the, as the, as the village people, or the village people, that's funny, as the village men, yeah, you can laugh at that, as the village people are cheering them on. Bye, MCA. No. <laughs> so... As they're cheering them on, yeah, yeah, and they're all cheering for, go Cornelius, go Leon, go Demetrius, and they're all cheering for their, their favorite warrior. They ride up to the edge of the dark forest, and they stop. And they all look at each other, and the crowd just, they're just going wild, like, yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it. I'm not going in, but you guys go for it, yeah. And they're all, they're all six standing there, and they look at each other. They hop on their horses and say, let's do this, and they ride in. The crowd's people are cheering, are still cheering as they fade into the, in, into the woods. So they ride around to the other side of the dark forest because nobody's getting close to that place. And they wait. One day had passed. Didn't hear anything. Nobody had come out. Two days had passed. Nobody had come out. Three days had passed. Nobody had come out. And by that time... The townspeople are getting so upset. They're starting to cry. They're starting to say, oh, king, what have you done? What have you done? You've killed our three mightiest men. They're starting to cry, and they're starting to wail, and just moaning, and all this. And finally, that evening, out comes two riders. Six went in, two come out. The two riders flew out of the dark forest right to the king's castle. And in walks Cornelius. And they ask him, so man, you look like you just saw a ghost. What? Tell us. Tell us about what happened. I was like, all right, listen, yeah, listen really carefully because I'm going to tell you. As the six of us rode in 
to the dark forest. We could hear your cheers, and it kept us going for a little while, but we couldn't hear your cheers anymore. You faded out so quickly. I was blind. I couldn't see anything. It was so dark. It was so damp. It stunk. The smell was, was hideous. So we had to get off of our horses because they didn't know where we couldn't, we couldn't guide them. We had to get out and, and feel our way. And we got in there a little ways, and out come these little people, like little weird-looking little people. Just, and we couldn't really see them. We could, just, we could hear them. They were, like, gnawing at us, and they were pulling at us, and they began to bite at us. We're like, what, what's going on? We had to fight them off. And at one time, it was really funny because Demetrius was just throwing them up in the trees, man. It was hilarious. He was throwing them up in the trees, and just, they were just scattering all over the place. Alone, it was like running around little circles, and they were getting dizzy and falling out, and we just kick them off to the side and go on. But there were so many of them. There were so many of them that we become overcome by them. And at one point, King, I heard your trumpet begin to play. I begin to hear your music begin to play in the castle, and just for a moment. I had peace in myself because I knew that if I could hear your trumpet, then I could follow that sound and I could follow to where it's coming from. I can just, I can just make it home if I can hear your sound of your trumpet. But as soon as I thought that, these little people begin to get out their instruments and they begin to play over top of you and they were mocking you. King, it was making me so angry. It made me so mad at them. They would mock you, and they were yelling over top of you. They were cursing your name. They were doing everything that you told us ever to not to do. They were doing it and laughing at it. I was so confused because it was so dark, and I couldn't hear your horns anymore. I couldn't hear your music anymore. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to turn. And at that moment, King, it wasn't about getting through. It wasn't about getting through first. At that moment, King, it was just about the six of us getting out of this place alive. But I wanted to follow Demetrius because he was strong. I wanted to stay behind him, but my, my companion said, no. My companion said, we got to go this way. And I said, why? I don't want to go that way. I want to go this way. I want to be with a strong man. He said, if you want to get out of here alive, we've got to go this way. So I went with my companion. And the king looked at him and said, who's your companion? And he pointed over the door and he said, he's coming in now. And the man all dressed in the knight's armor walked in, raised up his armor. He said, what's up, dad, to the king? You see, Cornelius chose the king's son to get him through the dark forest. And the dark forest is this world that we live in. The son is the son of God who came and he made a way back to the father. And the only way, the only way, the only way that we could get through this life and make it to the next life is by following the king, is by following the king of kings, by following the son of the almighty God. He's the only way to get us through this life. He's the only way that we're going to get through this place. We've got to choose our companion. We've got to choose our companion. David, would you come?
Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. And like I said, I'm a short-winded preacher. I am done. But you have an opportunity right now that you can choose your companion for this life. Because we were born into sin. There's nothing that you've done wrong that God's going to send you to hell for. But the only, thing, the only reason you're ever going to go to hell is because you didn't choose the right companion to get you through this forest that we're living in called the world. And if you're here this morning and you say, Rob, I've never invited Christ into my life. And the relationship between me and my Creator is broken because of sin. With everyone standing and everyone's eyes closed. You say, Rob, that's me. I want to get through this life successful. And successful, I mean. I want to get through this dark forest with my companion. I want to get back to my father. If that's you, I want you to come. Just be bold to say, that's me. I want to know Christ as my Savior. I just want you to come. We're going to pray for you this morning. If you need healing in your body, you just need prayer, then I want you to come because we're going to pray for you this morning. I believe the Lord is is a healer, amen? So if you are in need of any prayer at all, we want to pray with you this morning. I believe that God wants to do something in your life. I believe the Lord wants to heal someone this morning. He wants to save someone this morning. He wants to deliver someone this morning. So as they say, why don't you just come and pray? We're going to pray with you.
Oh